You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 554, the birth of Talk TV, staying home with Little Sims, sonnets from Dorset with PJ Harvey, and what's happening at Netflix and Twitter. That's all coming up after Plan B and Love Goes Down. I remember when I was young so you
Voice, one of six singles taken from the album The Defamation of Strickland Banks from 2010. Mason Mount Lookalike, Plan B, and Love <laughs> Goes Down. As if he, if, if he has a new album out soon, we'll surely be billed on the posters for it. <laughs> Undoubtedly. It, it, yes. it, at the time that he recorded it, back in 2010, he really did uh, have an element of uh, England and Chelsea footballer Mason Mount about Yes, him. very much so. Welcome to Parish Council episode 554. Mm. I'm Terence Stackham. And of course, it's the question everyone has been asking this week. <laughs> Here we go. How did she get outbid by Elon Musk in the <laughs> sale of Twitter this week? Let's ask Juliet Harris. Is that, is it, I applied the bargain hunt principles. One minute I was chatting away with um, with, with what's his name, uh, Tim Wanacott. The next minute I'd turn around and Elon Musk had outbid me and I was left trying to make a £10 profit on an ashtray. But, you know, it is it is what it is. I hope Elon has a lovely time. Hello, everybody. On my Virgin Television package on mm. cable, if I want to watch news coverage, I'm offered 12 channels Ooh. specifically de- dedicated to news from BBC, Sky, Al Jazeera to GB News, the launch of which we covered nearly a year ago now, it's, last June. I cannot believe that's been a year. That is crazy. 13th of June last year it launched. I was so, going to say, how many glorious months of, of GB indeed. News? And we put glorious in inverted commas. Yes. So are the British viewing public baying for yet another TV news <laughs> channel? Probably not. But we've got one anyway. This week, Talk mm. TV launched and clearly learning from the bumpy ride of GP, GB News and their mm. dark, gloomy set. Talk TV have gone the other way with bright, colourful backgrounds. Got a hint of the day to day about the, about the look. Tom Newton Dunn did a good, confident job launching the station and his news desk show from a small studio that with creative use of green screen converted <laughs> yes. to the illusion he was presenting from a cathedral size space. Um, the news desk slot at 7pm competes directly with all other news stations and the rather more liberal Channel 4 news mm. here in the UK. It was OK, but off- offered n- nothing new on the opening night. And the weakest element was the last 15 minutes, the inevitable panel discussing the news of the day there wasn't enough material to fill the hour for sure jules you've been watching talk tv has it hooked you in no one said anything that i've been particularly interested in hearing i must admit i know that sounds right and it's not just because you know obviously i love my guardian and the and the liberal channel four news as you say i I felt slightly differently to you about tom newton dunn i felt it was it didn't have the chaotic technical errors that plagued the the big that basically torpedoed gb news from the off pretty much but i still felt unconvinced by tom newton dunn i got the same vibe off some of the presenters a bit like him and this might just be you know your mileage may vary in terms of the two of us watching this but i felt a little bit like it was like some of the the presenters on gb news in that you looked directly into the eyes of these people and you wondered why they were there and so did they i mean i didn't i didn't get the i didn't get the huge impression that tom newton done was quite had things under control or indeed that any that, that you know that matters were really controlling him and the panel discussions were just Oh, they were flat as a pancake, weren't they? I mean, did anyone want to be there? I wasn't even convinced. I mean, but did those people know they were going on TV? I'm not that sure they did. Um, I was like listening to people, a boring conversation at the next table in a pub. 
or, or even worse, people that are stuck in a train station waiting room when the train <laughs> is late who are trying to fill time. That's all this is. People in the same waiting room filling air. That's that's the impression that I got. I watched a little bit of Sharon Osbourne and Jeremy Kyle and they had a panel discussion that was even worse. Although I have to say, I was quite entertained by Sharon Osbourne saying it was lovely to be back, lovely to be here on Talk TV, lovely to be back on TV and indeed lovely to be employed. So, um, so she did at least she had a, she had some sense of self-knowing about it, which made that slightly more watchable. I also saw some of the Piers Morgan versus Donald Trump thing. And I have to say, I find Donald Trump very funny. Now I'm no longer frightened by the fact that he runs the world. So the fact that he doesn't have any power anymore meant that when he said, if I was the queen, I don't agree with I don't disagree with him very much. But I would take Hagan and Mary's cat, Meghan and Harry's cat titles away and say to them, don't come round anymore. And I just thought there was something so incongruous about the former president of the world that now sounds like the sort of shoebox entrepreneur from TV that he always sort of was and remained at heart, telling some poor old woman just not to have her relatives around anymore. There was something very strange about the whole thing. It was Piers Morgan was his usual sycophantic self to Trump. It didn't say much that his interview on GMB um, Good Morning Britain didn't previously and someone has made the point I think it was Anita um, let me see who it was it was Anita Singh in the Telegraph said that um, that her issue was that every line of the interview with Trump had been so relentlessly trailed yes, in recent yeah. days that none of it was new and I worry that if they are desperate if they've it just points to the fact they didn't have very much box office content really when it came down to it and whilst it's not exactly box office it was the most new, new sort of newsworthy noteworthy thing that it was that, that it was him interviewing Trump the fact that they're having to relentlessly promote that one thing that they'd done in their opening launch, which then meant that it got repeated so much that it lost all its value when you saw it, makes me think, I'm not sure how long this is going to be viable for. Same as GB News. I know it's still going, but, you know, it's regularly beaten by Countdown in the ratings. And that is no slight on Countdown, but you know what I mean. It's it's not, it's not big. And, you know, the, the talk TV on YouTube has 300,000 subscribers, which isn't very much, really, is it? And I know it's just started, but if it follows the same trajectory as GB News, they seem to, it, you know, the picking seem to be at the start rather than continued. For it's sure. much, it's a much, it's a much slicker beast than GM than GB News for sure. So why does everything have the same initials? It's so confusing, and it all involves Piers Morgan as well, rather disappointingly. But um, yeah, I, I again, I just didn't really hold my interest. It was not as the thing was, I didn't even enjoy it as much as GB News because it didn't have the added value of people talking to the wrong camera stuff for. I mean, it didn't have the Acorn Antiques vibe that GB News had. And that was itself quite entertaining. Or the Kirsty Gallagher having to pretend that her that her news editor having news meet having meetings at work in different parts of the country was a state of the nation tour of Britain. I mean, it was just (laughs) I just just thought it was I just thought it was cheap pap, really. I mean, it was better produced cheap pap than GB News, but it still didn't have very much nutritional value. That's not because I don't necessarily with its perspective I just although all the panel discussions they were just so boring that's what I found so offensive about it just the fact that it was just a waste of my time and you know I'm sorry to the people behind the scenes that are working on it and it's their job I know that everyone has to start somewhere I know there are some people for whom it might be their first tv job also they have so little 
programming that they're almost entirely dependent on video feeds from the talk radio studios Indeed. and you feel like saying I, I don't feel that seeing Julie Julia Hartley Brewer ranting into a mic is really adding much to listening to her ranting into a mic really so so yeah, it's not for me this, and I'd be interested to see how long it remains viable for. Given that it is, you say, as you say, in a space that is always that's already heavily populated in the terms of TV news, and actually is populated by GB News. And even if it's competing for GB News's viewers and manages to cannibalise them, there aren't many of them, are there? So I'm not entirely convinced that that GB News plus talk, you know, talk TV in one big dollop is really gonna gonna even even if it does manage to, to completely inhabit the space of the two channels which i can see it doing probably as people go over from what i suspect it will get some people that go over i, I still can't see it being a big competitor because it's just it's just not very good i think i watched the first uh, three hours after launching full which was a bit, a bit of an ordeal to be honest with you but <laughs> yes quite the, well, the big well catch done is, for doing it so other people don't have to. Yeah, the big catch, as you say, at Talk TV is, is well, they would probably argue, is Piers Morgan. And on that first night, um, once he had loomed up close and rambled about his obsession with snowflakes and cancel mm. culture, this was it was the first of his show called Uncensored. And he mm. was it, it was shouty, annoying, and he looked tired. But as you say... It was, <laughs> well, that just sounds like me every day yeah. at work. Shouty, <laughs> I'm shouty, annoying, and I look tired. I mean, you know, it, just we peers in that sense. It was all about, uh, as you as you mentioned, a heavily hyped interview with President Trump. And yes. it was interesting. Uh, uh, it's actually worth watching on Catch Up if you didn't see it. Not for Morgan, who was a bit feeble and silly and, and as mm. you said, a bit of a lickspittle. But um, Trump, I found absolutely fascinating because despite being desperately inarticulate and ill-educated, I thought, and I I know some people just won't believe this and probably disagree with me very much, I thought he came across quite well. I mean, it's the best he's come across. That's not a high bar, but he was quite entertaining at times, weirdly. He made some simplistic but valid points about Ukraine and particularly the US economy and did so with confidence and also when challenged could most unusually for, for President Trump could back up what he, he just said. Which, but, which, uh, was, which, is, which was odd, really. It was yes, like watching someone else doing Donald Trump, wasn't it? It was it really strange. Like that. Yeah. Some of the editing of this interview was, was very oddly chopped and it seemed to have been mm. done to try and show Piers Morgan in a, in a stronger light. But as you mentioned, Piers Morgan was followed by a terrible show. Sharon Osbourne, looking unusual. <laughs> yes, that's one way of putting it. Yeah. With a show called The Talk, which is yes. mirroring the name of the show she left in the States a year ago in, in very odd circumstances. Yes. It was so thin and empty and yes, yet another there was panel show. There. And as you mentioned, inexplicably, with Jeremy Kyle with his cold eyes, um, he, he just, was like, he, yeah, he it, again, he didn't know what he was doing there. No. We don't know what he's doing there. Why is he there? It's really it, odd. Yes, I made a note. I put a little bullet point on it. Jeremy Kyle almost co-presenting because he was neither one thing or the other. He wasn't no. actually presenting, and he wasn't a guest. He he seemed to be sort of a, the nanny. I think. It well, was I te- thought I thought they I thought it was billed as the two of them presenting together, oh, and now oh, is that what it was? 
was. Well, okay, I thought I it was, but out. now, but now it looks like he is going to be presenting because this oh, afternoon Lord. or this evening, the news has broken that Ozzy Osbourne has caught COVID oh, and Sharon Osbourne has flo- flown back to the states to be oh, with him. Oh, that's ill. After isn't it? after three days of the launch, so oh, um, so, I wonder if so, she'll come back. <laughs> well, there are rumours that she won't. So um, oh, so yeah. we'll see. But then, having said that, you know, all it, it will be like DB News in that it's all for speculation. And and actually, I think that there have been a lot of comparisons as we've made with with it to GB News. And that might be both a blessing and a curse because, uh, uh, you know, all of the the newspapers are saying, well, of course, it's much better and much thicker than GB News. But again, as we've said previously with Trump, how high is that bar? And if if the best it can achieve is it was better than the terrible, terrible launch of GB News. How good is that still? If, if If you're out running GB News, it's still not that great, is it? No, and that, 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 that Osborne Kyle show was very cliched and dull, yes, nothing new to offer. And it's it's hard no. to imagine this sh- that show surviving in this format, um, no matter who's presenting it. And even if she mm. does come back, no disrespect meant, but who cares what Sharon Osborne <laughs> thinks about and anything? The, and know? the thing was, is that it might have been better if they'd had a more interesting panel. By the way, and here are these journalists. Never like, heard of any of them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like. I think we're both probably fairly keyed in. So, you know, for you from your sort of, you know, your, your your career on the papers and me reading the papers and reading political news, I had no idea who those people were. Well, I mean, it might as well have been me and you, really, in terms of people with profile. It was I not made good. a note of their names because I had to Google them afterwards. Esther Kraku, <laughs> Nicola Thorpe and JJ Anisiobi. Never heard of it, one of them. but uh, I, 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 I wish them well, panel. but I had no mm. idea who they were. And and. I mean, if even if they tried to make it rather than a celeb panel, a sort of a news panel, even so, I mean, I've watched stuff on Channel... I watched something on Channel 4 News once where they have Rachel Sylvester, Rachel Johnson and Zoe Williams. This was a few years ago. It's like, at least those are names from yeah, things. You know, it's... it's it's. it's yeah, like you, uh, it just felt like... I mean, this it felt not dissimilar to parts of GB News's sort of beginnings, and and even what it's like now. Occasionally, I put it on just to stare into the void for ten minutes, and then I mm. turn it on to something else. And it just feels like people marking out time and treading water. And there is always a risk with any sort of rolling news style show that you're, unless we're living, unfortunately, in an age like Ukraine or COVID, where just dreadful things seem to happen constantly, or when we were living through Brexit as well. And the constant permutations of that there isn't enough that happens on rolling news more often exactly. than not there isn't enough yeah. of interest best satirized by the tv program outnumbered about the brockman family where one of the children came in to see granddad watching rolling news and he said to the child there have been three train crashes in the last half an hour all of them in <laughs> kent who did not understand the meaning of rolling news so so that you're always up against it a bit with rolling news in that it takes a lot of skill and a lot of um you know, it it takes it takes some talent, and I think some of the BBC Rolling News presenters, Lise Doucette and Joanna, I can't remember her surname, that broke the news of Nadine of um of Nazanin Zahari uh, mm. uh, Ratcliffe. She did that very well, I thought. Uh, presenters like that are, are pretty good, I think. And and Rita Chakrabarty, they seem to have enough presence and presence of mind to be able to keep the show on the road. I would say that people like um people like the people that they have on these channels 
I, I just I can't see it. I no. can't see them. I can't see it being a, a real competitor just because. And I know that the GB news is rather hamstrung by not having access to the PA footage. And I know that talk the talk TV is clever and that they've got around that by using talk radio as a sort of a as a kind of a filler during the day. So mm. that is that's one way around it. But I don't know. I just I mean, why why would you want to watch talk radio on TV if you're already listening to talk radio? I don't I don't see the space. No, for it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I really enjoy some elements of uh, the, the audio version talk radio, but I can't immediately see much merit or sizable viewing figures for no, exactly. talk TV. Um, it is. If you wish to see it, it's available on Sky, Virgin, Freeview, YouTube. Um, uh, um, so you've got plenty of options if you would like to see it <laughs> i mean in the unlikely event that you yes. would wish to see it coming next why little sims won't be spending the spring in the usa and a new poetry collection from pj harvey oh. that's right after beck <laughs> Sunk in the midnight shade Skies burn 
soundtrack to a life less ordinary the danny boyle follow-up to train spotting i think it was in 97 and I, I i mean i really like this tune and it, it did put me in mind a little bit of the general vibe of gb news and and talk tv and then it always i love it because it sounded do 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 sounds a little bit like someone sort of drumming their fingers on a table kind of you know sort of absent-mindedly whistling to try and fill fill sort of time really and i quite like this sort of um that the sort of the the life passing you by sort but cheery vibe of this um i really like this it's also available as an additional track on various expanded versions of the Odelay album this is dead weight by beck it's one of my favorite artists as you know and um he's touring europe this summer if anybody wants to go along because there's still um some mm. tickets available he's got dates in london manchester uh dublin and edinburgh uh, uh, as well so that's uh that, that'd be i think i might very pop up good to london to see uh, Beck. I, I, I don't often small I, venues you know, as well um the the couple of the well they're all o2s um mm. but it's not the, the big o2 there's sort of like the it's kentish right. town and brixton i'm surprised there's yeah. still tickets left and i might I give that i might give that a, a, a bang there maybe it sounds good I'm not an expert on the music of uh, the English rapper Little Sims, but I've heard quite a lot of her music and really like it. I particularly like her song Problems, which is an excellent use of a sample from the Rolling Stones' Gimme Mm, Shelf. Great. Now, last time round, we talked about the controversy of venues taking 25% cuts from artists' merchandising venue Mm. at gigs. And uh, this week, we, we found an example of how such issues and perhaps others are impacting independent artists mm. like Little Sims, who was due to spend most of May showcasing her latest album in the USA, Mexico and Canada. Quite sizable venues from 1,000 to 2,500 capacity theatres. Mm. She's not hugely well known, but her, her last album, uh, Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert, got a lot of plays um, on, in, on indie radio. And her, but um, here's the thing. Her U.S. dates are cancelled. She says as an independent artist, she pays for everything herself and the yeah. tour would have left her with a huge deficit. Now, I don't mean to be unkind at all. I, I like Little Sims, but if there was a 
if there was a demand, these halls would be full. But Jules, I'm not sure this is a conspiracy or unfairness on touring artists. This is simple market economics. Not enough people want to go and see Little Sims. Well, maybe, although having said that, everybody's got to start somewhere, haven't they? But maybe maybe what it does show is in the past, you say market economics, in the past, maybe it just goes to show and that, that awful cliche that everyone's seeing at the moment, the cost of living, everything is just more expensive and everything is, you know, we've talked in the past about how a venue's going to recover from COVID. Um, the, the thing that you rightly mentioned that we spoke about last week, you know, the, the is, you know, it, 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 if venues are going to keep going, is it, you think you, you sort of made the argument, is it only right that venues should be taking this 25% all that sort of thing? Ticket prices, I, I suspect, even with the in mind inflation, all those user factors, I bet that comparatively they would be more expensive than if she'd been trying to do this 10 or 20 years ago mm. i think she's right and that she said i can't put myself through that stress yes fair enough i think maybe maybe in the past smaller acts would would have not i mean basically traditionally it's your record company that gets you to break america isn't it so so maybe it just goes to show that major record labels take less risks than they used to in terms of the artists that they promote i mean even in the Britpop era you know you had you had major labels having bands like blur that would go and tour in the u.s and and bands that were you know like little sims would find themselves now played regularly on six music and maybe it shows that the mainstream industry is rather blander there's a bigger gap this is i think echoed in football as well i think there's a bigger gap than ever between the sort of premier league artists and the lower divisions mm. that is even that is exacerbated by by rising costs of everything you know in the post-pandemic world um I, I i do sort of feel for her i must admit um and little sims is very critically well thought of over here and oh, is and, much, yeah. and, and is and and is you know and 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 has a, and, and you'd think and you know america are quite anglophile i think in terms of some of the music they do particularly on they do like particularly on college radio and things like that so if someone of her critical stature is having issues over there there's also reference to the acclaimed north carolina indie band wednesday who i hadn't heard of but apparently have 250,000 monthly listeners on spotify which if you translated that into radio sort of bog standard radio play would be a lot i think they went viral after detailing the economics of playing seven shows at uh, south by southwest the texas industry oh, yeah. festival that's again very well thought of and i think six music have, have covered some bands playing there previously it's quite well it's quite well thought of but um um they ended play played seven songs at the prestigious showcase and ended up 98 dollars 39 cents in debt oh, and dear. they tweeted and i thought this was rather lovely Carly Hartsman, their front person, tweeted, and I thought this was very well put and very well appreciated. We are technically a band that is, quote, doing very well, unquote, at the moment, exclamation mark. I ain't complaining about doing my dream dog job but i do want to show why being paid fairly from streaming would make a difference and i think that's a good point that the problem is is that it's become artists playing live has become more important in terms of their economic their their economic sort of outlook than perhaps in the past it would have been or perhaps indeed should be because other income streams such as sales of records physical sales download sales etc have have relatively collapsed compared to what they would have been in the past i wonder and we've and we've spoken about this before and debated i think on the podcast about how is it 
fair or otherwise that streaming's the income from streaming sites it takes however many streams to make 40p or whatever it is and and that this is all part of the same this is a sort of a perfect storm of factors isn't it really so i think that's a that's a good point that for wednesday to make in terms of you know it's it's all very well but they haven't got anything else to make up with playing live is meant to be their income stream now because they don't get anything from streaming that's really you know that you would get traditionally from radio play or anything like that so so it's a tricky one, but I think that it's 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 a, a symptom of a wider malaise that's affecting the whole music industry and how if different pillars are collapsing and you then become overly dependent on one pillar of income, that then becomes key, doesn't it? And 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 any idea of it being unviable collapses. And it and it just goes to show that that you know we talked about Adele and her Vegas show being all of a sudden quicksand falling falling away. So. Obviously, Adele, that was very, very sold out and will happen again. But um, I have sympathy for for Little Sims and, and Wednesday and similar acts because it's difficult when you haven't got a big, big record label behind you with deep pockets. And I don't know how many record labels there are with deep pockets now. And the very few that there are want stuff that doesn't they, they want the Ed Sheerans don't they and as much as I like it, the Adele's and the Capaldi's and, and, and the One Directions and, and you know I like Harry Styles I think he's very daring but they want relatively trouble and risk free acts don't they so I feel for smaller acts because it seems like all of the, the past routes to even a moderate level of success I mean bands that play South by Southwest it's really cool isn't it but it's not going to necessarily rocket you to millions of sales but it will rocket you to enough to maybe as we spoke about Susanna Vega last week have a moderate income for 20 or 30 years to sustain a career and if you're not getting income from streaming because people are playing your record 10 million times and you get three quid it's you know touring and not being able to tour then becomes a bit more crucial doesn't it there's an interesting twist to the little sims uh, business mm. because she's appearing at a sizable number of european festivals throughout oh, the summer mm. from oslo to glastonbury yes but of course the crucial difference there and this is what i mean by a twist is that these those uh, festival uh, appearances are not self-promoted no, and she's at no bill, financial yes. risk to herself if no one comes to see her but like yes, you which i get it yeah i wish nothing but good things for little sims absolutely she's a very talented artist and um a friend of mine has done some work involving her being on a panel at the design museum i think and she's she's very well thought of so so i wish you know i really wish her well and you know if she's as someone said on twitter if someone of her who's respected as her is having issues god help the rest of us yeah yeah meanwhile um long-term pal of the podcast pj harvey <laughs> yeah she's a close has, personal friend of ours Lord, yeah. yes she's got no plans to tour this year but well not in a musical sense but um not only mm. is pj a chameleon in the way she looks which we've talked about before yeah. she's also chameleon like in her breadth of art because she will be touring this year but it's to promote her new book of poetry Orlam, yes. based mm. around her knowledge of rural life in Dorset. Jules, yes. if the excerpt published in The Observer this week is anything to go by, this is quite a serious work. Yes, it really is. And I, she has published work previously. I think she and um, she, she and, and a poet worked together. Seamus Murphy, I think. They did photos and, and work. She did the poetry and Seamus Murphy did, did photos. The Hollow of the Hand was published previously. And I have a, I have a copy of that. But um, so so this isn't necessarily her first, but it's her most serious and extensive work to date. It's got great reviews. Um, there was a large piece um, profiling her in The Guardian and the work at the weekend with um, Kate's 
uh, Callaway, I believe. Um, it's a, a really good piece and it's it's really worth reading. I'm really looking forward to, to reading the book. I think it's really interesting that she's gone this kind of route of, of, of wanting to do more serious things. That, of course, there's been, as we've discussed on the podcast, the reissues campaign, which is now the rolling campaign is at an end. Those of us that did our mad Thursday afternoon dashes to get lyric sheets from the website are now got them framed in our whores you know it's all it's all it's all coming towards it's all coming towards the end as a result of which presumably now she she the most hilarious thing about this interview was that she let slip that she's got a new album out next year which had not been trailed anywhere else the only suggestion was that there was a photo of her in a studio on instagram that was the only suggestion previously that she was making more music but no i find it really interesting and, and i know that she used to get driven mad by comparisons to patty smith and there patty smith had expressed memorably at the q awards in 1998 had made some slightly barbed comments about her being an imitator which were even more more unfortunate for the fact that PJ Harvey was in attendance with her mother, who was her oh, guest dear. for the uh, for the for the dinner, and the whole thing rather rather chaotically ended in Danny Baker shouting, "Sit down, you silly cow!" at Patty Smith. So so that was a rather unfortunate <laughs> event. But having said that, time is a great healer, and Patty Smith and PJ Harvey have since played together at things, and I think are are friends and admiring of each other's talents. And I compare that because Patty Smith has had a very successful sort of. I don't want to say afterlife of music because she's still making music. But again, I think we discussed before that she's written books that are really excellent, that are sort of memoirs on her life. And she has written poetry as well. And so I, I see the two of them as, as kind of very kindred spirits in terms of having artists that, you know, having that kind of artistic outlook. So maybe PJ Harvey is showing us that if you want to, if you want a long and very clear, maybe finding other things, uh, other branches to, to go into like poetry. And I know again, We've been talked previously on the podcast about, you know, whose lyrics stand up to being published in books and whose don't. But um, but it's interesting that, that, you know, there are some there are. Some, and I would say, again, another former PJ Harvey sort of associate, Nick Cave, I would put him in this box as well of people, artists that have enough interesting to say that they can sustain literary careers as well as as well as music as musical ones so so all power to pj harvey as you know as as always i could just record that and play that most weeks on this podcast but um but no i'm really looking forward to reading it and i i think it's you know it's it's interesting maybe the way to sustain all those people i've just mentioned are at least 50 if not older in some cases so so you know if you want to sustain a career into the end of your life find find another string to your bow and pj harvey seems to have done that very well from from all initial reports if you'd like to go and see pj harvey talking about mm. her new book of poetry all the dates uh, so far are on her website which is pjharvey.net mm. Coming right up, what's behind all the drama at Netflix and Twitter? Mm. That's next. It's right after Sirita.
This from a superb album produced by her former husband, Stevie Wonder. Mm. It hardly sold a copy at the time, but now often reviewed as a classic. Yes. From 1974 and the album Stevie Wonder Presents Cyrita. Uh, that was Cyrita Wright and Spinning and Spinning. That is superb. And I wasn't really familiar with that. And I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, the last the last few years has seen the rise and rise of streaming services for television. Um, but uh, mm. a chill flattered through the hearts of Netflix shareholders this month um, when it reported a significant drop in the number of subscribers, leading to an immediate fall of 35 percent to the Netflix mm. stock price. There seemed to be a panic re- reaction as Netflix cited password sharing as a reason for this decline, <laughs> even though the sharing of passwords passwords has been common knowledge and practice globally for years. Um, this element has always been a bit vague as you're allowed to share uh, Netflix within your household. But what occurs to me is what happens, though, if your child goes to university or college? Mm. Can they still watch? Are they still part of your household? What if mum or dad is working away from home? Can they I'm, fire I'm up ki- the laptop? Notice how I'm keeping quiet throughout the, dis- the yes. discussion of yes, this I've whole sentiment. Yeah, yeah. no, we, nothing got, to say yeah. on this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, suddenly Netflix is, is interested in defend, uh, defining these rules yes. and defending them more tightly. Perhaps, though, Jules, there's more to this decline, a change in priorities due to the cost of of living crisis perhaps the sheer number of these services with hulu Mm. amazon prime youtube stretching the market Yes, and I, I obviously I would never wish to criticise you personally, Terence. But all I would say is that we had a conversation about the Netflix versus the, the Netflix versus the BBC, etc., and the cost, you know, cost effectiveness mm. of it some time ago. And you were sort of almost Team Netflix, I think, in terms of cost effectiveness. To which I basically, and this is me essentially saying I did say, which is the plighter way of I told you so when, uh, when I said, you know, I said that you know the BBC's offering was a much wider offering, which might with much more social benefit and all Netflix ever really was was just a product wasn't it really more than anything else and I guess that you know the points you make yes, I take your point point. on that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and my, my apologies to sound so smug I'm sure yeah. I'll be wrong about something in the next five minutes <laughs> that's usually the case but um but but what what is interesting is that but then you've also previously commented to, to you know to try and swing this back you've also previously commented correctly that this was always going to be unsustainable when content is so split between mm. different channels that eventually people are going to get it I remember you saying at the time you know so wait a minute I've got to play for Disney Plus for the Beatles and for the Simpsons and and WandaVision and other exactly. things. There's I've had to subscribe to Stars Play to watch something. I think the other day I've got a free trial. There's BritBox. There's um there's there's Amazon Prime, which we'll be talking about something on that next week. There's there's you know there's the there's the other Hulu. You know, yeah, exactly. It's Hulu. YouTube, and, you have to pay increasingly yes, to Apple watch. Apple TV as well. TV, so, and, and, there are, and, and actually, I think what Netflix has discovered is, and also Netflix really hiked its prices last year. I seem to remember it going up from the basic subscription going up three or four quid. And now we're in this cost of living crisis, like you say, a lot of people are looking to tight, tighten their belts and going, well, if I can watch BBC iPlayer, you know, there's a lot of stuff on iPlayer, there's a lot of stuff on all four, you know, the, the free streaming services, or rather the services that you get as part of your um, your your, your, your TV, ordinary TV package, your TV licence, 
if there's enough on there to keep you entertained and you're looking for things to cut and i think we're all looking for things to clip off my beer box has gone bi-monthly instead of every month for example um just because i wasn't drinking it either particularly but um, not that it wasn't nice but i think we're all looking for plate things that we can snip off and it also perhaps the problem with netflix it, it, it always had that kind of novelty value of all oh, they've got all their own programming and all their own TV series that they're funding. And the ones that they're funding now, they don't. And it's I think I don't know what's happened. I don't know whether it's what they're choosing to fund or whether it is an Emperor's New Clothes thing. But in the past stuff on Netflix, really some of them Shonda Rhine stuff like Orange is the New Black was seen as being really cool, weren't they? And really kind of prestige. And now the stuff I mean, we enjoyed inventing Anna, didn't we, when we spoke about it the oh, other yes. week. Yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily say that it was prestige TV, would you? In the same way that perhaps Better Call Saul is. And I I collided with Anatomy of a Scandal the other week, which was with Netflix's new series. Um, I might enforce that. Given the, the terrible TV that you've inflicted on me over the last few months, I might inflict that on you at some point and we can talk about it in the next few weeks. But it's not... It's not great. I mean, it's it's watchable schlock, but it's very it's very different place from you know the cool prestige TV like Orphan Black perhaps and all the stuff that that Netflix was known. The programming it was piling millions into making at first, which makes me think either it's not so good at judging things, or is there not quite the millions to pile into things that there once were? And actually, in light of that, the fact that they're now turning around and going, oh, we need to clamp down on password sharing makes them look a bit pathetic really if i'm honest and it makes them look a bit desperate and it makes them look a little bit like you know if this is where you're trying to get your money from mm, i'm not that convinced that it's going that well really maybe it's been a victim of its own success in that other channels like amazon prime for example have entered the pool to compete for the talent that it was once pretty much monopolizing i don't know but clearly something's gone quite wrong hasn't it either something's gone quite wrong or something went too right and it's outlived its usefulness maybe sort of a side issue but i think Mm. related to this is i've long argued that there should be an easy on-screen aggregation model that works like google yeah uh, where all content from all add-on or streaming services because as you say there's so many of them now is searchable because it's become way too clumsy now where you have to track down a show you might want to watch Mm. and we don't expect that in 2022 we expect no ease of use no, absolutely. And e- even the Radio Times, which is usually a pretty reliable sort of way yeah. of navigating things, even that is struggling to keep I up with all is, of the yeah. streaming services, all of the multiple channels that there are now as well. And they try and have a sort of a they have a sort of a section at the front where they sort of do edited highlights of stuff that you might enjoy that's on the different. And they have a sort of column or a section of the page for each thing. So they'll have, oh, here's the best thing on Netflix. Here's the best thing on Amazon Prime. Here's something you might enjoy on Disney Plus. But right. but even so, like you say, the, the aggregated means that it's just so impossible. And also it doesn't work in the same scheduling way, does it? There's just stuff no. on a channel for you to watch anytime. So, but it's 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 interesting that terrestrial TV still pulls, pulls in an audience. The BBC still, still makes a success of iPlayer, which once was seen as a massive lost leader, now is in, in the world of competing with streaming services. They've held their own, haven't they? If, if people like Netflix are, are now massively struggling. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's you know, maybe the early bird doesn't always get the worm in the, in the case of Netflix. Meanwhile, 
Elon Musk, yes, meanwhile on the internet, yes, indeed, has called him. He calls himself a free speech absolutist. Um, He's poised to buy Twitter at the time of recording at forty-four billion dollars, which seems like they're poison. They're poison. It's just insane, isn't it? That could solve every problem in the world. Money for one person to have lying around, isn't it? That's that's such a beautiful way of putting it. Mm. Meanwhile, in Elon Musk's sofa, the spare change Mm. amounts. That's a big sofa. Amounts to forty-four billion. All of the problems in the world could be sold by that amount of money and he's he's just bought a a non-subscription website for that amount of money that's what i'm so confused by how do you monetize it well this is it i mean the free speech issue is perhaps ironically the major talking point because many commentators and twitter users feel that this may allow extreme views to be published but uh, yeah jules everything is going to be okay because twitter co-founder jack dorsey said this week that elon musk is the singular solution I trust. I mean, I still c- confuse. I still think that Jack Dorsey did working in a coal mine, but that apparently <laughs> was Lee <laughs> Dorsey. So I spent my whole life going, what's, what, what's the bloke that did Ride Your Pony got to do with anything? But apparently that's a different Dorsey. So, I mean, Jack Dorsey, as someone once said famously in the film Mean Girls about a girl that joins a school counselling session, she doesn't even go here. And and Jack Dorsey is no longer CEO of Twitter. It's it's in fact someone else, isn't it, that took over a couple of years yeah. ago. So, so um it's it's going to make a bomb absolute fortune though because although he's only got 2.4 percent um uh, in shares that's still going to be like 700 900 million dollars i mean it's 40 54 dollars a share i think is it's being bought for so so it's it's going to be something else but i mean personally when you know they say or or, you know elon is is a free speech advocatist uh, well, part of the problem with um, part of the problem with Twitter has been that people have been leaving the platform because it's been almost impossible to get people who are actual literal Nazis and not me calling people Nazis because I don't agree with them. So really frightening and unpleasant yeah. and damaging content on there has not been censored so far and and was sort of out of control. So I really don't see how it's going to do anything other than degenerate into a further wild, wild west. I haven't left Twitter yet. However, I find it increasingly, as a friend of mine had said, sort of a few years ago in a different era of the Labour Party it's not the party I joined and I feel increasingly as Twitter is not the place that I first joined and enjoyed so much and did how we came across each other and and you know I made a lot of pals on early days Twitter I really enjoyed it it made lots of Labour pals I made some pals through the Word magazine and obviously then Rocking Vicar and this and and you know I've met some great people from Twitter and some of my really close friends through Twitter but it's it seemed an increasingly angry place for a while an increasingly unpleasant fighty place and if there is going to be less control of that i can't see it getting any better i can only see it going in another direction and i think that maybe there are parallels in netflix in that once you once you make the conditions of something less pleasant either by it meaning that there's more money and you have to pay more money or that you know for example there's even more bile that's that's free to sort of be spread across the network in in any direction on any topic then you lose the people that will always have been there and you're then very much dependent on the whatever the online equivalent is of passing trade in the in the retail biz and and, and in sort of IRL and once you start that 
it becomes a far less viable model. And I, I think that increasingly people will drift away from Twitter just because it hasn't been very nice for ages, really. And I say that with sadness. I mean, I use it to catch up on other people's Wordle scores now. That seems to be Twitter's function for me. But be interesting to see what happens. But it's it it feels like it, it felt already like it might have started to have its day. Um, you can go onto Instagram and look at nice pictures of people's dinners and children instead, which I very much prefer. And that's that's the that's the perfect world because you, it's even better than Facebook in that you don't get people moaning about you know vague booking about people who don't say what they really mean. You just get nice pictures. So so I'm quite a fan of Insta. I know obviously we've talked about the perils of it previously, but if if you get to join a website for free, where's Elon going to make his money from? Well. Exactly. I mean, Elon Musk, one supposes, is an astute mm. businessman to have acquired well, yes. monumental wealth and should know what he's doing. But I was thinking this week, it suddenly came back to me the tale of the website Friends Reunited, yes. which ITV bought for £120 yes. million pounds in 2005. Michael Grade describing it as the sweet spot of the Internet only for it to be sold off four years later for 25 million quid yes. and 80 percent loss. It had been rather taken over by Facebook, which, which fulfilled exactly. that much better, didn't it? Exactly. Which if you put so much money, um, in this case, $44 billion um, into it's like all your eggs in one basket, isn't mm. it? You've only got something to come along to trip you up yes. and it becomes worthless. It's, it's, it's a sort of a South Sea bubble. It's, it's worthless overnight. And like you, I've got a feeling that Twitter is nowhere to go but downwards. Mm. Unless there's, uh, there's some sensational new technology waiting in, in the wings yes. that Musk has got that will take our breath away. Um, I mean, yes, I, I'm sorry. I'm so much in agreement with you. I mean, it's a potent, potentially amusing place to post sort of one line of smart Alec jokes and to keep in touch with friends. But as there's so little control over the Internet, that also allows it the. Uh, the lawlessness of the wild yes. west it's depressing it really is depressing how many horrible and ill-intentioned people there are out there who take joy in being spiteful and mean to other people often strangers so and some of some of whom are employed journalists by the national press i must say who, who constantly encourage their followers to pile on on other people and then play you know the innocent victim a lot of the time i won't name who that is but i suspect no. people know what i'm talking yeah. about and and it's it's the interesting thing is is that when you say about potential sort of new threats um you know as as, as the four put it i don't think what was their last album it was called new facts emerge and you know if, if something new emerges you'll end up having to spend more money to stand still as Facebook did because they eventually had to buy Instagram, didn't they? Because that's, that seemed to threaten their sort of existence and, and you end up having to acquire it. So I suspect that whenever there is there is an app, there is always a better app to follow. There's a different app with a new idea to follow. And who it would have been difficult to predict that Instagram um, would have overtaken Facebook in the way that it did. Now there's a real age split between who uses them. Um, I'm interested to see what the next thing's going to be there was the failure the, the, the success in them long-term failure of vine a few years ago yeah. i don't know if you remember that I do, yeah. but of course Six now of video yes yeah. and actually 
much in the way that that I've always thought that that an early technology fails and then a better version of it succeeds. So mini discs felt like the future at one point, and then <laughs> iPods, which were basically mini discs taken to a much bigger iteration, <laughs> were were you know a wild success. I wonder if TikTok did this. It was sort of yeah. was like Vine. Is that like, what if Vine and short clips, but quite a bit longer, but still being emphasis on clips in the same way that but but you know but not Snapchat because Snapchat is a way that people and it is still very popular with younger people. Snapchat and WhatsApp seem to be one group of apps and you're sort of contacting your friends apps and Vine and TikTok seem to be performing for the world apps, don't they? And yeah, and, and TikTok is is you know like like the iPod to the mini disc player is is you know just a better more bells and whistles version of that original quite good idea app and i wonder if twitter might end up befalling the same fate in that someone it, it isn't going to be parlor is it that's become rather sort of the the, the, the or telegram they've been sort of become sort of infamous for their use amongst the far right but i wonder if there is room for a better regulated twitter and if that is the case, Elon may well have uh, paid his money and made his rather bad choice, I suspect. Yes, uh, Elon, be careful what you're buying. Um, caveat emptor. I Indeed. Think. And not, not a phrase that Elon might have. I, I wonder yeah. how many residential conveyances Elon has dealt with in his <laughs> life. Not many, I sense. Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along. Echo my excellent colleague sentiments as always. If I'm one of the many thinking, I do wish I could hear more <laughs> of that, Juliet, um, you can make those dreams come true. I mean, bless you, my child. And also, I feel that the word many is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. But anyway, if you should wish to consume my radio content, then you can listen to me on Noisebox, F- uh, Noisebox FM or rather Noisebox Radio. It's an internet based station. But who knows? Maybe one day we'll raise enough money for a transmitter. But in the meantime, noiseboxradio.com. You can find me from seven till nine on Sunday evenings doing my smooth sailing radio show. And you can shout at Alexa to launch Noisebox Radio on that on that at that sort of time and she'll play it to you if that's indeed what you do if you want to listen to old shows you can go on to Mixcloud and search Noisebox Radio and we have a channel and, and the shows are uplifted uplifted they are uplifting I feel and relaxing but they are they are uploaded to there and you can you can find them on there so that's what you can do nobody is going to fall asleep during our last track no absolutely um we this is my apologies if you were looking to fall asleep at the end and you were looking for a relaxing ending, but I felt that this was too jarring to put in the middle. It sort of this was thrown at me by iTunes under the um, under the sort of the same way the algorithms that that, that run Spotify as well, and that you listen to something and then when the thing you've been listening to finishes, it then goes, oh well, okay, then we'll play you this and this and this and this, and it plays you some stuff that you already know, and it plays some stuff that you sort of a bit like Six Music really, it plays some other stuff that you haven't heard before but you quite like. And I'd listened to uh, to uh, Atlas by battles which we've played at the end that was a previous chaotic ending to a podcast that was my fault and and it it played me this and i really enjoyed this i hadn't really heard this properly i was aware of it but i'd never fully listened and i i really love the chaos of this once again it's one of those records i enjoy that sounds like people falling downstairs but manages to do it in a fairly entertaining way um 
I, this might not be for everybody. And if you wish to duck out towards the end, then perhaps I understand that. But equally, if you're willing to give this a go, I think there's much to enjoy in it, I must admit. This is um, a band called Liars. Um, they, they were famed previously because their singer went out with Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, I think. And she was singing about him when she famously cried in the Maps video, apparently. So uh, so there's a, a link there, I think. But um, this is uh, Liars and this is um, from the album Liars and it's called Plaster Castle of Everything.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>